0: Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And remember what's happening here is that Moses, in the entire book of Deuteronomy, he's kind of saying his goodbye to Israel, uh, understanding that he can't enter the promised land. But for this next generation, they're the ones that are going to enter the promised land. And at the same time, He's saying, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Also, remember, 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 remember. That's what he's telling to the people. And he reflects back on the past. Reflects back on the past in order to help them for their future. And it's so beautiful when you see it in those terms. And sometimes he gets straight up hardcore. Sometimes he gets hardcore and says like, look, you know, this is what happened before. Don't make this mistake again. And it's so beautiful because we're going to see this, uh, this discourse of Moses, so to speak. But then when we look at future chapters, future books in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, we're going to see like, wow, you know how, how we've lost our way. In the, in the Old Testament, how Israel has lost her way. In the New Testament, how the religious leaders, those of the law, how far they have lost their way in accordance to the law. And I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. Understand that the law is a shadow of the things to come. There is holiness in the law, even to this day, except holiness uh, this this holiness, it's a, a lesser light, so to speak. Now, if you're wondering what I'm talking about when I say that, listen to our study through Galatians and make sure you start with our introduction to the book of Galatians. And it just so happens that we're in the book of Galatians on Sunday. So make sure you listen. Just so you know, on Wednesdays, we study the Old Testament. And then on uh, Sundays, we study the New Testament. And then from time to time, there have been uh, topical messages. There's probably been about five in the last... I don't know, seven, eight years, there's probably been a lot, about five, not a lot. We, we don't do topical messages uh, a lot, but you know, that might, uh, uh, we might have instances where we have to do a topical message, especially as we get further into these last days. So Deuteronomy chapter five in verse one, and Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgment which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. Notice we see that you may learn them and then to observe them. So you see the learn and do aspect, but then you see something else where he says, be careful, be careful, make sure it's to be on guard, to be watchful and be on guard. As New Covenant believers, remember, we stand on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, and we never want to be in a position where we return to the law, because in order to return to the law, you have to turn your back on Jesus Christ. That can never be done. We stand firmly on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, and we abide in him as the fulfillment of the law. And just as, you know, make sure you listen to our study in the introduction to Galatians because how we uh, make the reiteration, how Paul mentions that we establish the law in abiding in Christ. And so we see here that Moses is saying, be careful, make sure you do these things. Make sure you do these things to not just learn them and, you know, that's it, but learn them and observe them. Remember how Brother James says faith without works is dead. Now, it's not a works-based salvation where, you know, we have to get 10 converts a week in order to uh, go to heaven. No, it doesn't work. That's, we're not J-dubs, That's the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's what the Mormons do. They come knock on your doors, the J-dubs. That's what they do. Oh, you know, if I don't meet my quota, I'm going to burn in hell. No, we're not saved by works. But faith without works is dead. Now, when you read the passage, what Brother James writes, he cites Abraham and Isaac. And when you read the passage in Genesis, you never see Abraham taking it upon himself. What you see him doing is obeying the word of the Lord. And that's what we do. We obey the word of the Lord. If I say I believe in Jesus Christ, even the demons do that. Even the demons believe. If I say I believe in Jesus Christ, but I'm going to go do my drugs, my sex, my alcohol, my occult, my Ouija boards, my yoga, all these other things. If I'm going to do that, even the demons do that. Where is obedience? You see? Where is obedience? And faith without works is dead. That's what the Bible teaches us. Brother James, inspired of the spirit, writes. And so we see here in verse 2. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us in Horeb. This is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us in Horeb. Now, you remember in Exodus chapter 19 and then also in chapter 20 how the Ten Commandments were given? And remember, the Ten Commandments were given three times. Never, ever, ever forget that the Ten Commandments were given three times. Now, given uh, 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 by the Lord three times. Here, we're going to see the Ten Commandments given again, but this is Moses saying, hey, don't forget these things. The, the, the Ten Commandments was given three times by the Lord. The first was verbally. It was an oral, uh, an oral thing that the Lord gave the, gave the people, and that was in Exodus 19 and 20. You see the buildup, how you know uh, the people wanted to hear from the Lord, and then the Lord revealed himself through word. Very interesting how he reveals himself through word. But then at the same time, the Ten Commandments were given and the people were like, no, 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 Moses, we don't want to hear from the Lord. You speak to the Lord and then you come back and tell us what the Lord says. We don't want to hear from the Lord. You see? And that was the first set of Ten Commandments. The second set of Ten Commandments were on two tablets which were destroyed at the golden calf when Moses and Joshua came back down the mountain and what they saw in the camp of Israel. Now, the third set, because the first, the, the first two tablets were destroyed. The, the third set, it was uh, that's what stuck. That's what stayed. And when this third set of 10, uh, t- uh, the, the Ten Commandments were given on the two tablets, when the second set, that was with blood. Blood. You see? An Old Testament example of Jesus Christ. The Lamb without blemish. The fulfillment of the law. This third set of two tablets, which Israel took, it wasn't broken. I mean, the, two, the first two tablets were broken. The first spoken word in, in Exodus 19 and 20, that was rejected. But the, the third set of Ten Commandments, which were the second set of the two tablets, well, that is what stayed. And that was Blood. Read the passages and listen to our studies. Old Testament Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and you'll see. Wow, remember all the animals? All the animals, how Moses told Pharaoh, like, you know, Pharaoh, you know, Moses, Pharaoh was like, you straight up. He just says, okay, Moses, get out of here. All these plagues happened. And Pharaoh's like, okay, go. Take your people and go. And you think like, wow, you know, uh, fulfillment of the Lord. Praise the Lord. We can go. We can go. But Moses says, no, no. It's like, wait a second, but the Lord wants us to go, but you're saying that's not right? Listen, the formula has to be right. You know, the Lord says, yes, let my people go. And you think like, wow, okay, now Pharaoh says we can go, so we're going to go. But Moses replied to Pharaoh, no, the Lord says, all of us must go. Our animals, everything. He says, we don't even know why we're going to need it, but we're going to need our animals. Now, this was before the Ten Commandments was given. And now that you see see this third set of Ten Commandments, which was the the second set of the two tablets, you see all the, the, the blood, the sacrifice, not without blood. Now you see, wow, we needed those animals. You see, we needed those animals because there's a lot of blood. Why? Because there's a lot of sin in the camp, which needs to be covered, a covering for the sin. You see? A lot of times people in the Hebrew roots movement, they want to take New Covenant believers and bring them back to Horeb. They want to bring them back to Exodus 19 and 20. They want to bring them back there without realizing, oh, wait a second, that was rejected. Without realizing the second set of Ten Commandments, which was in the two two tablets, that was broken. That was destroyed. And they forget the third set of law which was actually accepted and taken. And that was with blood. An Old Testament example of the fulfillment of the law, the blood of Jesus Christ, you see. And when you have that understanding, if you're stuck in the Hebrew roots movement, I say to you, come out of her, my people, and let that third set of 10 commandments be a reminder for you to come back to Jesus Christ don't walk away from him in going to the law come back to jesus christ and go back to him you see and if that's you if you're trapped in the hebrew roots movement today as i speak i say come out of her my people and i want you to hit pause right now and listen to the message how to commit your life to jesus christ and you do exactly that Commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ and return to Him. Get out of the Hebrew Roots Movement. It is dangerous in these last days. It is dangerous in any day, but even more so in these last days. Now, we continue in our study here in verse 3. The Lord did not make His covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. Remember... The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is pre-law. When you think of, you know, what's written in Genesis, that's pre-law. Pre-law. No law given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob except for circumcision. Circumcision as new covenant believers, we understand that that means to believe. You see, to believe. And that's what Moses is referencing here. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us. So now when you see like the fathers being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's like, wait a second, as new covenant believers, we understand that it was accounted to them for righteousness sake. And now you have this law that's given to the people. And then at the same time, understand that this third set of law being a shadow of the things to come because you have the 10 commandments with blood. You see, it's Jesus Christ. It points to Christ. It shows us Jesus Christ. Remember, if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. We could just fulfill the law, the statutes, all these things. And oh, yeah, you know, Jesus on the cross, you know, it's, it, that was unnecessary. Now, I speak foolishly in saying that, but that's what happens with a return to the law. Never, ever, ever, ever be seduced to the law. Never. And if you're trapped in the Hebrew Roots movement, leave, leave, walk away. And so we see this, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire. And you did not go up to the mountain. Very interesting because you remember if you, if you look at Exodus 20, in verse 21, you see how the people kind of, they backed off, but then Moses drew near. They were afraid. It was fear. Now the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But at the same time, in wisdom, we still retain the fear of the Lord, but there's more to it. You know, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not, you know, uh, uh, fear the Lord and, you know, boom, that's it. Because we can fear the Lord in first grade. A first grader, I And mean, I, I speak, you know, in an academic uh, uh, metaphor, if you hearken to our study through First and Second Corinthians. A, a, a first grader can fear the Lord, but that, that doesn't mean that we're trapped in first grade. No, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then we move on to second grade. Still fearing the Lord and then we move on to second or third grade and you're still fearing the lord fourth fifth sixth, still fearing the lord always fearing the lord it's the beginning of wisdom and so we see here in verse 6 Now, here in these verses, uh, uh, 6 through uh, 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 21, we're going to see the Ten Commandments. In verse 7, verse 7 is, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Verse 8 is the second commandment. Verse 11 is the third. Uh, Verse 12 is the fourth. Verse 16 is the fifth. Verse 17 is the sixth. Verse 18 is the seventh. Verse 19 is the eighth. Verse 20 is the ninth. Verse 21 is the tenth. Ten Commandments. You see, so the Lord gave the Ten Commandments three times. This reiteration of the Ten Commandments is Moses telling the people, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember these things. And he says in verse 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now remember, 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 remember that this is 40 years ago. 40 years ago. So some of these people that are listening, they were tiny kids, tiny babies, some not even born. Remember, he's telling them learn from your parents. And I love how there's the inclusion of them in the span of time, because some of these guys were just kids back then. Some of these people were little babies back then. Some of them maybe weren't even born. And so he says, in verse 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, if we were, say we're in the camp and we weren't even born then. We're like, man, you know, that I wasn't born then. So how, how, how would you know, how does this apply to me? I wasn't even born. Even here in the Old Testament, you have this example of the Lord's everlasting promises which span generations. Because yes, it does apply to them. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And that's what Moses is saying. The Lord brought your God who, the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You see, generationally, remember how uh, 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 the loins of Abraham? Remember how we looked at the loins of Abraham? And in the loins of Abraham, we see the uh, 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 Levitical priesthood, Kohanim in the loins of abraham that's when we had a little uh, a little side study so to speak for men to have regard for your seed remember we study these things in the law still in the law in, in in the torah as new covenant believers we look at the torah and understand that wow we see jesus christ everywhere And he's saying to this next generation that's going to pass to the wilderness. And he's telling them, hey, learn from your parents. Learn from your parents. They made a huge mistake. Learn from their mistakes. You even witnessed some of these mistakes as as we traverse the land after we came out of uh, bondage, after the Lord rescued us from bondage. And you even experienced some of this. You've seen some of this and what the Lord did. And remember, he's reactionary. But then at the same time, he's telling them, don't forget. Your parents were bad examples. That's what he's straight up. Your parents were bad examples. Why? They're dead. They're dead. Remember? Uh, All the the moments of judgment that we've we've seen. Israel, the exodus from Egypt. And from then to right here in our study in Deuteronomy 5. Look at all the judgment, the wrath, the uh, chastisement. Look at all these passages that we've seen. This is post-Exodus. Look at all these things that we've seen. And now he's telling this generation, some of them who were babies 40 years ago, now he's telling them, hey, don't forget. He gave the Ten Commandments to their fathers. You see? Verbally rejected. You know, the, the Lord gave verbally rejected. The first set of two tablets broken the the second set of two tablets I Say Accepted meaning that's what traveled with them but understand that because of their deeds even those two tablets were broken except they weren't broken and uh, 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 Destroyed they were broken. Yes, but repaired by blood restoration by blood so that people could be right with the Lord. You see? He says this in verse 7 to this next generation. The parents are dead. You shall have no other gods before me. In verse 8, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image. That's idolatry. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. These are things that, you know, these were given. This is the next generation. Some of them weren't even weren't even born yet. Remember, this is 40 years ago and just in very recent history we see what happened when remember when balak he didn't send the warriors down he sent the women down because of the council of balaam he discovered wow this is how i get israel to fall i get israel to fall by being dishonorable to their god and so now instead of setting my warriors down i'm gonna send the women down you see a type of satan a type of satan And it's so powerful because these people, this second generation adults now, they can reflect back and be like, "Wow, uh, mom and dad blew it. Mom and dad blew it." And wow, I don't want to make that mistake. And not just that, w- other people th- in the ver- re- in more recent history, the women that came down sent by Balak. Wow, and not just mom and dad, but this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. They took the bait. The women came down the mountain and then all of a sudden, they you know, they had, you know, a, a, a female in their arms. They went into their tent and, you know, they ridiculed us. And But I didn't want to play with that. I, I didn't want to, you know, I wasn't going to dishonor the Lord. They were having a, a grand old time and they were making fun of us. They are ridiculing us. Now, look, they're dead. They're dead. And so now this next set of Ten Commandments, they have the two tablets with them. But this next set, it's for this next generation. And Moses is saying, remember these guys. Remember these. In verse 9, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. I wonder how many people, upon hearing this, reflected back to the men who, yes, they went into their tents with the women of Balak. But then at the same time, in, you know, the next day, the next week, the next month, they're bowing down to Baal. And I remember. I, I wonder if, in hearing this, they remember and they reflect back. Wow, I remember they bowed down to the bale. You see. So look at all the examples of stupidity that this next generation has. Their stupidity abounds, and yes, in the family and out of the family, stupidity abounds. Wow. Mom and dad, you know, I love them when they were alive, but man, they made such dumb mistakes and I don't want to be like that. And not just that. What about the guy next door? The guy next door over here? The lady next door who allowed these things? You know, she wasn't a Zipporah. She wasn't a a type of Zipporah. She just, you know, did everything, you know. Remember the Korah? Korah, when Korah was judged by the Lord and not just Korah, but those with the families that were with them, you know who also died? The wives, the kids, the earth opened up and wives and kids sunk. Why? Because of the stupid guys. That's what happened. And so this next generation, I wonder if they reflect back and they're like, wow, all these examples of stupidity, all these examples of, remember, the Lord is reactionary examples of stupidity yes but then what the lord did in response to that so now i say a, a, an abundance of examples of his stupidity now you see the reason why there's a lot of blood remember we started in leviticus even exodus a lot of blood a lot of animals a lot of animals a lot of blood a lot of blood why because we're going to see there's a lot of sin and we're not we're, we're still in the torah a lot of sin in the camp verse 9, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Wow, those who hate me? That's what he says. Remember Jesus Christ. If you love me, follow me. If you you love me, follow me. If you love me, obey me. That's what Jesus Christ says. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hold, Hold on a second. Let me go do my crack. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Lord, I love you so much. Hold on a second. Let me go to the strip club. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. I love you so much. Let me go do my occult. Let me go do my pornography. Let me go do my sex. Let me go do my alcohol. Let me go do this. Wait, it doesn't work that way. Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ says, if you love me, follow me. Point blank. That's kind of easy. How many times do you hear us say, it's easy. Remember Paul? He exposes his phobia to Corinth. He says, I fear that as Satan tempted Eve, that you'll walk away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. Not walk away from the difficulty. Not walk away from the toil that is in Christ. Not walk away from the, you know, uh, 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 the 500 pounds on your back. No walk away from the simplicity that is in Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ says, if you love me, follow me. How hard is that? Straight up, how hard is that? For Jesus Christ to say, if you love me, follow me. A a two-year-old, a three-, four-, five-year-old can do A Piece of cake. If you love me, follow me. You see? And here you see in, in, in the second law of, you shall, of idolatry, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image. Now understand here how in verse nine says that the Lord is a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Yes, he says those who hate me. But at the same time, you ever see how kids can be just like their parents? A daughter can be just like her dad. A daughter can be just like her mom. A son can be just like his dad. A, a son could be just like his mom and vice versa. You know, influence influence. You ever hear parents and they use it in a derogatory fashion where they say you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. And they use that derogatorily. You know, dad's in crazy town and they tell the son you're just like your dad. Mom's in crazy town. Mom's just, you know, a basket case. And they say to the daughter, you're just like your mom. And it's derogatory. But what about when dad is righteous? What about when mom is righteous? And you tell your son, Hey son, you're just like your dad. And the son wears that like a badge of honor. He's so pleased. He's so full of joy because wow. My dad is my superhero. My dad is like He-Man. My dad is such a, I love him so much. And I read my Bible and, you know, I study my Bible. And, you know, I see this exemplified in my dad. And you're telling me that I'm just like my dad? Wow. And he wears it with a big smile on his face. Wow, I'm just like Papa. Or you say to baby girl, hey, baby girl, you're just like your mom. Same exact thing. Whoa. I read my Bible. I see these. I see my mom behaving in this. manner. She's learning and observing and learning and doing. And she's careful to do. And I see that. And you're telling me I'm just like her? I think she's like superwoman. I think she's so awesome. And you're telling me I'm just like her? Whoa. And she has this big fat smile on her face. like, wow, it's like a badge of honor. You see? Now, if you hear me say this and you have a bad example in parents, kill it. Don't don't kill them, but kill that seed of evil. Let it die with you. Let it die with you. No more. Let it die with you. Because what happens those influential influential traits? Yes, they do pass on from generation to generation to have you ever seen like like a ruffian kid, just a nasty kid, totally disobedient, doesn't follow direction, just a total, like a little six-year- old I mean that's one thing a little six, seven year old that they're little. but like with no discipline, they've never been spanked to despair of the rot and they're just little nasty ruffian kids and you're like, man, Who in the heck, who in the world are these parents? Who in the world are these parents that don't even discipline their kid? They got these nasty kids and they're just little ruffians. Then they get 10 years old, 12 years old, 13. And then they have their first run-in with the law. And then they start drinking. They start doing, they start cussing. They're 10 years old and they're cussing, dropping all these curse words. And they start, and you're like, who in the world are their parents? These are the nastiest kids ever. And then you meet their parents, and you're like, it's obvious, it's obvious. Like, you don't even have to ask questions anymore. You see the parents, you're like, okay, I get it now. They're like, man, these are nasty kids. You meet the parents, like, wow, these are nasty parents. And then you meet the grandparents. Wow, these are nasty grandparents. You see, that because that see the, those influencers. They influence the next generation, but then you see the opposite too, or you see a guy, you see a guy like, wow, this is just a ruffian guy, a ruffian gal. They're just nasty, you know, and all these the works of the flesh It's just like gross. And then, you know, you meet the son, you meet the daughter and you're like, well, this is like a, are you, are you sure this is the same family? Are you sure this is the same? Like you get, you're completely different. You're totally different. Biologically. Same family. Spiritually, a completely different family. The seed of Abraham. You see? We have these biological ties. But the Lord is the one who breaks them. Jesus Christ, he says, Do you think I came to bring peace? He says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to divide. And when he says, I came to divide, he starts to pinpoint the biological connection. And the division that he brings is a spiritual connection to Him, you see? The seed of Abraham by which you and I are connected to, how? By faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. The same faith that it was accounted to him, Abraham, for righteousness' sake, pre-law. The only law given to him was circumcision, you see? Belief. Belief. You see? Our belief in him Jesus Christ understand all these times we've been studying on Wednesday Genesis and to this point I mean we've, we've studied the prophets and minor prophets if you've been listening for a while but if you harken back to our study Genesis we're we've been in the Torah for a long time and here we're in the last book of the Torah But how many times do we reflect back and understand when I say reflect back because we're standing on in the new covenant on the rock of salvation in Jesus Christ abiding in him. But at the same time, we see Jesus Christ all over the place. You see. And for this next generation, when you hear me say kill that seed of influence, if you have a bad influence, in your parental figures, in accordance to Adam, the biological kill it, kill it. And then now look at the next generation, which because it's been killed that influence because there's a new influence, the spirit of the Lord, the fruit of the spirit, look at how beautiful it is for that next generation, you see. He says in verse 10, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. This is if you're Calvinist or Reformed, Reformed theory, which is just a theory. It's the, you know, they call it Reformed theology, but I don't like to call it theology because it's not biblical. Now, if that's you, I love you. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand But a lot of times in in the reformed camp, in the in the Calvinistic camp, people say, oh, you see, the Lord has mercy on whom he has mercy. Jacob, he loved Esau. He hated. Well, keep reading and you'll understand why he hated Esau. It was reactionary. Esau made his choice. Understand too that mercy is conditional. Mercy is conditional. What is the condition? He says right here in verse 10, showing mercy to thousands. To those who love me and keep my commandments. It's conditional. People say, oh, you know, he just makes his choice. You know, on some people he predestines to hell. Some people he predestines to heaven. You see, he has mercy on whom he has mercy. But his mercy is conditional. To those who love me and keep my commandments. That's his word. That's his word. To those who love me and keep my commandments. You see? And what does Jesus Christ say? If you love me, follow me. Straight up. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's The fulfillment of the law says if you love me, obey my commandments. You see? The Hebrew Roots teachers, which a lot of wolves, a lot of wolves, a lot of perverts, a lot because they like the sex. They like the, you know, oh, I can have this wife and I can have my concubine. You know? If you're, In Hebrew roots, and you're freshly in Hebrew roots movement, get out. Run away because it's very dangerous. But if you've been there for a while, you know what I'm talking about because it turns into a cult. It turns into a cult. And a lot of these teachers, they start to, you know, they like, you know, concubines. Uh, a, a wife swapping. They do a lot of disgusting things. A, a lot of disgust, the works of the flesh. Why? It's poisonous. It's poisonous. Now the law is holy, but to follow the law, you have to leave Jesus Christ. You have to leave Jesus Christ, and these cult leaders or the Hebrew Roots teachers, they are very poisonous. Very, very poisonous. Run away from them. You see, Jesus Christ says, if you love me, keep my, if you love me, follow me. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's what Jesus Christ says. Now, I and my father are one. He he speaks. That's what he says relationally with him and our father. I and my father are one. Now, does that mean that Jesus Christ is saying, hey, you know, if you want to abide in me, you have to return to the law. You have to go back to the law. No way. That's a poisonous doctrine. No way. Because the law points to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. And to Calvin, you know, I speak to the Hebrew roots people, but now I speak to the Calvinists and the reformers. The, not the reformers, the reformed theory people. Uh, you know, if, if you're into um, some of the famous uh, Reformed theory people, there's uh, Sproul, MacArthur, uh, Piper. They all have different uh, types of doctrine within their theory, but it's still just a theory. Now, if you want to understand further the things that I speak on against Calvinism and Reformed theory, make sure you listen to Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And then... Also listen to a message. Do not take the mark of the beast. Because among the Reformed theory camp, among the Calvinistic camp, these are people who are saying, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. It's poison. It's a a time trap set for the last days. It was a trap a long time ago, but with the time fuse. The time fuse, it's for the last days. It's a trap. It's a big pit for the last days. Don't fall into it. Yes, the Lord has mercy But people say, you know, oh, yeah, he has mercy on whom he has mercy. See, he's sovereign. He predestines people to heaven. He predestines people to hell. No, his mercy is conditional to those who love me and keep my commandments. Just as is written here in verse 10. In verse 11, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You see people saying it all the time. They say curse words, but then they put Jesus in front of it or Jesus after it or God in front of it or God after. If that's you, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. You said, you well, you, you, you said, you know, you're not advocating the law here. You're advocating the law. I'm not advocating the law. With the same mouth that you praise Jesus Christ, you say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. With that same mouth, you're going to use that tongue that you used to praise the name of Jesus Christ, utter his name, and you're going to use that same tongue to curse out another person. Don't do that. Don't do that. Remember that the outpouring of your heart. Remember, oh, you know, uh, don't eat this, don't eat that because it's defiled. And Jesus Christ says, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man. he says, it's what comes out of the mouth because it reveals what's inside his heart, what's inside her heart. You see, in accordance to the new covenant. He says, observe in verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. You see, now this is the old covenant. Now, even in accordance to the old covenant in the Ten Commandments, the, the doing of the Ten Commandments. Remember our study in Numbers 28, how there was work done on the Sabbath by the priesthood in the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament example of abiding in Christ. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. Now, if you hear me say that, and you're like, "What in the world is he saying?" It's a Hebrew. It's 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 Hebrew a uh, a uh, 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 a statement. But listen to our study through Leviticus, all of it, you'll understand. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. You see, even the even the priesthood, even the priesthood worked on the Sabbath. He said, oh, I don't do any work on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is holy. Yes, the Sabbath is absolutely holy. But work was still done on the Sabbath. Abodah, Abodah Mishkan is an Old Testament example of the Christian who abides in Christ. You see? In the shepherd's house. <laughs> Listen to our study through Leviticus and you'll understand exactly what I mean. In verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You see, and remember, and remember. He says, so, he says, wow, a, a day off, you know, I can play my video games. Wow, a day off, I can, you know, wash my car. Wow, a day off, or, you know, I, I I, can I can do all these things. I, it, it's a day off, you know, but the work here is to remember. The work is to remember, you see. It's not just a day off so you can do all these extracurricular activities, not just a day off so you can play your video games. No, And I'm not advocating the law. Remember, mishkan. but at the same time, through the law, there's written in the law, this day of Sabbath, no work. But it's not just no work. The work is to remember. And what, do we, what, what does Israel remember? That you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Remember, this was 40 years ago. Because that first generation, they died. They're dead now. This next generation... They're like, wow, I was never a slave. I was never a slave. Look, I was, I was, I was born in the wilderness. Look, I, I was never a slave. But as a people being one, you see, the assembly, the people being one. And this work of remembering Yes, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath holy, to keep the Sabbath day. You see, it's to remember him, to remember him. Written in the law are these aspects. Don't forget, don't forget. Written in the Ten Commandments. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. You see. Now we see here in verse 16, honor your father and your mother. Now you, you say, wait a second. You just said like, you know, if dad's crazy, if mom's crazy, then to ignore them. Well, hold on a second. I like to think about politics. Now, say, for example, um, I, I teach from America. And so say, for example, the U.S. president summons me to the White House because he wants my opinion on something, whatever, you know, what where's a good place to build a bridge? You know, I don't know. But he's something. He wants my opinion on something. Now, politically, I di- disagree with everything that comes out of this present White House. I-, I Politically, there is virtually zero alignment. But I will still go. I will still go and offer my suggestions. And I will say, Mr. President, I will be suited up, respect the office. You know, Mr. President, yes, Mr. President, I I disagree with politically everything. I disagree with everything. But I still honor the office and I still respect and honor his authority. You see, but I disagree. It's not I'm I'm not going to go, you know, drink tea with him. I mean, they might have tea there. I might drink tea, but I'm not going to like, you know, uh, go on an off day and go, you know, uh, golfing with him or, you know, drink tea or pick out curtains with him. You know, no. Verse 16. I see the same way. Honor your father and your mother. You see where it's like, you know, yes, I. Respect your position. I respect, you know, if you're a young kid, you know, I respect your authority. But if you're a young kid, you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, but mom is straight up crazy and dad is straight up crazy. Understand, yes, respect them. Respect them. Respect that position. But if dad says, hey, come on, let's go to the strip club. Say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Mom says, hey, come on, let's go get high. No, I'm not going to do that. I respect you, you know, I I honor you. And if you tell me to do something which is in alignment with the word of God, then I'm going to do it. But if you tell me, hey, go to the strip club. Hey, let's go get high. Let's go get some crack. That's not happening. Because above you is Jesus Christ, mom. Above you is Jesus Christ, dad. You see, and I'm not going to dishonor him, even though you are. But I respect you. I honor your position, I honor your authority, you see? A lot of times you have defunct parents who use this verse uh, to uh, manipulate their kids. Oh, you're supposed to honor your father and your mother, therefore do this. You're supposed to honor mommy and daddy and therefore do this. They're they're wrong. You're not wrong. They are. You see? Now, if you're a godly parent, praise be to the Lord. But remember that this is going to sound harsh, but I like to see parenting as like a, a glorified and long-term babysitting job. <laughs> I know that sounds painful to say. I don't know how else to say it, but I kind of see it like that way. Because the Lord has given you children. The Lord formed baby girl in your womb. The Lord formed your little boy in your womb. And he's blessed you and given you. And now, you know, the baby's born. You raise and you train. You equip. And then at some point in time, probably, you know, 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there in that window. They're going to leave. They're going to leave. And if you're liberal, it'll be like when they're 40. But if you're not, 17, 18, 19. Now, what is the condition? Of baby girl's heart? What is the condition of your son's heart when they leave you as caretaker? What is the condition of their heart? Are they gonna be little crackheads? Are they gonna be sex heads? Are they gonna be alcoholics? You see? And I'm using these big ticket items as like, well, you know, that 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 they're not gonna be alcoholic, but are they gonna be in their cult? Are they going to think that little white lies are okay? Are they going to do their little white Ouija boards? Worship, you know, little white Satan? You see? The Lord wants them back. He's given children for for him. So that he can be honored and glorified in the next generation. And a lot of parents... They like to use verses like this to manipulate. Oh, you're supposed to honor your father. You're supposed to honor your mother. You're supposed to honor me. Look at all these things I've done for you. But you didn't have to. I mean, you know, you got married. You did the business. And, you know, you had you gave birth to me. It's like you, that didn't have to happen. You, this is kind of like, this is your fault, you know. You did this. And so, like, here I am. and But I have to follow the Lord. You see? I have to follow the Lord. Moms and dads, I don't know how it happens. Well, I know they're seduced by Satan, but they forget that above them is Jesus Christ as the authority figure. Mom and dad, above them is Jesus Christ. And if you're a mom, if you're a dad, above you is Jesus Christ. See? He wants his kids back. What is the condition of their heart, their soul? How are they going to be presented to him? You see? Parents don't think that way. Parents think very carnally. Oh, you're supposed to honor your mom. You're supposed to honor your dad. So therefore, we want you to do this. And you're going to do it because it's biblical. The Bible says honor us. So do it. The Bible says honor us. So come on, go go buy me some crack. The Bible says honor us. So come on, let's go to the strip club. Now, I'm using these 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 things where it's like, far be it from us. that's so obvious it wouldn't do that. But that's because it's obvious. But what about when it's not so obvious? You see a little bit more trickery, deeper manipulation. You see? You hear us make mention all the time of, you know, look at mommy and daddy and say bye-bye when you get married. Leave and cleave. Parents. Moms. Dads. Make it easier. Make it easier for the next generation. I mean, you ever see like a 30-year-old guy? Man. 30-year-old. You know, big muscles. Got the facial hair. Everything. He shaves. Does all these things. Big muscles. But he's like a baby. He's wearing like little, 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 little diapers. He's got his little binky in his mouth. And if you look close, you can still see the umbilical cord attached to mommy. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Because the next generation of righteousness, they have their battles to fight. They're going to fight their battles. And they can't fight a battle with an umbilical cord. They can't. They they can try. But you know what's going to happen? They're going to die. They're going to lose. A lot of times parents, oh, I got to protect my children. I got to protect, I'm speaking about adult kids, you know. Oh, I got to protect my kids. I got to protect my kids. Well, wait a second. You you can't even protect yourself. You can't even protect yourself. And if you have this umbilical cord, that's dangerous for your kids. That's dangerous for your son, for your daughter. You're going to kill them. Because... If you want to be unprotected because of your own stupidity, because of your own idiotes, without understanding, I just I'm just using the words of Paul. I'm not trying to be mean, but if you want to be an idiot, I'm not trying to be mean, that's what Paul says. Idiotes, In Greek, I'm speaking Greek. If you want to be an idiot, then don't take your kids with you. Don't take your kids with you. You see, those are for the stupid parents. Idiotes, you know. I, I, I'm speaking biblically. Don't do that. But what do we see in the church today? You see it rampant. You see it running wild and you see all the destruction everywhere. Why? Because we forget. We forget. Just like in Corinth, where are the teachers? Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? Why is it that there's this defunctness among the elders? And do you see the what happens as an aftermath? You see, uh, 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 like, no growth. A beautiful baby on milk. Praise be to the Lord. Three years later, still on milk. Ten years later, still on milk. Twenty years later, still on milk. Oh, uh, you know, if you look closely with a lot of those milk drinkers, you're going to see umbilical cords attached to the idiotes. Those without understanding. The fools, the stupid ones. Biblically, that's what I mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's what the Bible says. Idiotes. The idiots. That's what you're going to see. And we're seeing it today. It's going to amplify. It's going to be more and more and more and more as we get further into the events of the last days where great apostasy will happen and is happening. It is prophesied to happen. You see? Verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. verse 17 you shall not murder you shall not murder now we see what happens in you know in the law what's written about accidental death remember we even mentioned that not too long ago where yeah, i gave the example with me say you and me we're building a, we're, we're, we're 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 building something we're constructing a house you see and you know say you move this big boulder you push it and you don't realize that hey i'm on the other side of that boulder and you push it and i get crushed i'm dead you, you see the big boulder but then you see my arms and legs sticking out the sides and i'm dead and you're like, oh my goodness, it was a complete and total accident. Well, my family, they're not going to think it's an accident. My friends, they're not going to think it's an accident. They're going to say, okay, well, you know, you take his life, now we're going to take your life. Now, you're innocent, but they don't know that. And so there's these cities of refuge in the law for you to go to, to run to. Things calm down, you know, everything is settled in like a in a legalistic term, judicious, ju- ju- judicially by Godly judges, I'm not advocating the law, but that's the, that's what the law is, what is written in the law. These godly judges, judicially, godly judicial system, the justice of the Lord. This, you know, and then in the course of like the, the day you killed me, the day my hands and legs were sticking out the sides of the big boulder and I was crushed by you by accident. My family was angry. My friends, they were angry. Oh, we got to kill. You know, life for life. You're dead. You're toast. But say it's a month later. They might still have those sentiments. Say it's eight months later. Say it's a year later. There's still going to be that sorrow. But the anger is going to be tempered down. Godly judges are going to, you know, do their... Ask their questions and say, okay, it was an accident. Now, in accordance to the law, my family, my friends, they are not justified in killing you. They, they weren't justified in killing you if they tried to. If they did it, you know, the day of. The next day, they were not justified. But with this greater knowledge of understanding of, yes, it was an accident. That That takes time. You know, just like in a, you know, in legal proceedings, you have, you know, discovery. You have all these things in modern day legal connotation. But the problem today, the judicial system, it's flawed today. Why? No righteousness. You know, a lot of times people say, you know, in the Bible, you know, seek justice, seek justice. Well, God's justice is no joke. This world isn't ready for God's justice. God's justice is coming. But with God's justice is a lot of death. People, oh, you were supposed to seek justice. You we're supposed to desire justice. Don't forget mercy. Because if God's justice came, a lot of people would be dead. God's justice, biblical justice. A lot of people would be dead straight up. The only way outside of the law to live is in Christ. He is the only way. That's why he says, I am the only way. I'm just the messenger. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Those are his words. I'm just the messenger. You shall not murder. In verse 18, you shall not commit adultery. You see, this next generation, they now understand why the Lord responded the way he did. Not just, you know, in in their previous passages of sexual impropriety, but in all these other prior, uh, remember when Balak sent the women down the mountain? There might have been somebody who maybe wasn't well versed in the law, but now they're hearing they're like, oh, you know, now I get why the Lord did what he did, why he responded the way he responded. And that's what's so beautiful about maturing, having this greater knowledge. And remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And with this greater knowledge comes this greater understanding. But at the same time, to whom is given, much more is required. You see, if you're a first grader, you, if you're a baby, you behave as a baby. If you're a first grader, if you're a kindergartner, you behave as a kindergartner. First, you behave as a first. Second, you behave as a second. Third, you behave as a fourth. You know, When you get into fifth, you don't behave as a kindergartner. If when you're in seventh, you don't behave as a preschool, you see it because our behaviors match our knowledge base. And when I say knowledge, understand that it's a gift of the spirit and of the gifts of the spirit. The greatest is love. Never forget that. Listen to our, our message through 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest gift is love. One of many gifts of the spirit. But now through the law, people can understand, the next generation can understand, oh, you know, I get it. Maybe they didn't know why certain things happened, why judgment and wrath came. But now with this understanding of the Ten Commandments, only ten, they can now understand, okay, now I get why this judgment happened. Now I get why this chastisement happened. Now I get why all these things, I understand why, you know, the Lord did this. Because it wasn't the Lord was mean. It wasn't the Lord was vindictive. No, the Lord was just carrying out what he said he would do if the people didn't listen to his voice, didn't listen to his word. He was responding to the people and their behaviors in mm-hmm. their hearts, to their uncircumcision. I'll say that, remember, as New Covenant believers, a circumcised people, but yet uncircumcised. Unbelief in the camp. You see? Verse 19, you shall not steal. Verse 20, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In verse 21, you shall not covet. You see, you shall not covet. And then it's like a list here. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. This is kind of ties in with adultery. Look at the church today. Look at the adultery going around in the church today. This, it's nothing new. Nothing new under the sun. Be very careful with the Hebrew Roots Movement. And I say, you know, to to avoid it, to stay away from it. But if you're in it, if you're freshly in it, get out. But if you're freshly in it, you might start to notice. You might have already noticed. Like, wow, this guy's kind of perverted. This guy's kind of perverted. Why is this guy married and he's hanging around this other lady? Why is this guy married and he's hanging around this lady, this lady, this lady? Because they like these aspects of the law without realizing that the law brings death. You see? In the law is death. They don't want to study those passages. That in the law is death. They don't like studying those passages. They say, oh yeah, let's go back to the law. Let's do these things of the law. But don't forget, the law has blood. An Old Testament example of pointing to Jesus Christ. Now the law itself points to Jesus Christ, but the fact that there's blood, understand that the blood of the lamb washes clean. And we abide in Him. To abide in the law means you're outside of Christ. To abide in Christ means that you fulfill the law. You see? Listen to our study through the introduction of Galatians. And you'll understand more. It's one of many traps of the last days. Because Satan's going to hell and he wants to drag Christians. He wants to drag all of creation, all of God's creation with him. He wants to do that. But some he's already got. The majority he's already got. But he wants to do that to the Christians. Because he doesn't have them. You see? And how does he do it? He seduces. How does Balak do it? He seduced. He didn't send the warriors, he sent the women. What does Satan do? Sometimes he sends the warriors, but the majority of time he sends the women. And, you know, women can be women, but women can also be crack and, you know, alcohol and the occult and Buddha and whatever. But he seduces. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, verse 21, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house. You know, that's like the, you know, the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, uh, somebody gets a new car and then all of a sudden you, uh, oh, I'm going to get a new car too. Uh, This this guy gets now to covet is like, you know, uh, uh, uh. Uh, you get a new car, you know, and and I like it. And then all of a sudden I start to get jealous. I start to get jealous. Oh, he's got a new car and I don't have a new car. Oh, I want a new car too. You know what? I like that car. I'm going to steal that car. You see, it begets to covet is to beget so many more things So say, for example, you get a brand new car. It's got, you know, the honk honk, the vroom vroom. Everything's nice. It's fast. It's like, wow, I really like that car. It's sleek. It's got the honk honk. It's got the vroom vroom. And I'm coveting in my heart. You see what's happening? I'm coveting in my heart. And then all of a sudden I say, wow, you know what? I want that car. I want that car so bad. I can't afford to go buy my own, but I really want that car. Wow. How dare that guy do that? Look, he's flaunting. You know what? I'm going to kill him. You see? You shall not murder. It begets other things. I'm going to kill him and I'm going to take his car. Boom. You shall not steal. I've bro- Look at what I've broken. You see? You shall not murder. You shall not steal. That's. I've already broken two, but as a result of breaking one. You shall not covet. And the coveting is internal. That's what's been happening inside of my heart, inside of my mind. Wow, I really want that car. You see? It's so beautiful how in the law we have these. Now, remember the Lord Jesus Christ when he was asked, you know, what's the greatest law? And what does he say? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Everything above anything. And then love people. You see? God and people. He says, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. So take a pillar. In your mind, take a pillar. Put one up. And that pillar is the love of God. Or your love for God. And then you take the other pillar and you put it up. So now you have two pillars. And on that pillar, you have your love for people. And then you take a line to the top of the pillar number one, to the top of the pillar number two, and you take a line and you hook it like a wire, a strong wire. And on that wire, so you have standing two pillars standing and you have a wire. Now you take all these 10 commandments and you hang them, put them on little hangers and you hang them on the line. Boom, 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 Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. But don't forget the statutes. So you hang in the, the, the little wires, you know, little, little hangers and you do more, you know, you, you slide open, uh, slide open, uh, verse uh, seven, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make for yourself a carved image. So you slide a little gap there and then you put in all the little statutes, the law and the statutes. Verse 16, honor your father and your mother, Uh, you shall not murder. So you open up that between 16 and 17, you slide that open, and then you add all the little statutes that align within that gap. So now you have all the law, all the, the, the statutes. But don't forget, it's hung on two pillars. Jesus Christ says, love the Lord and then love people. On these hang all the law. You see? And the prophets, he says. All the law. The statutes, all of it. You see? Now, I'll add a little addendum to that. That addendum is never love people more than God. So the the two pillars, the little tiny, not the tiny, but the smaller pillar is your love of people. The larger, greater pillar is the love of the Lord. You see, your love for the Lord. You see, because what happens today, people say, oh, yeah, you know, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Therefore, I love these people. I'm going to love on these people. I'm going to love on these people, which is beautiful. I'm going to love on these people. I'm going to love on these people. But your love for people can never exceed that of the Lord. Your love for the Lord must be far greater because you're going to have people in your life say, you know what? I don't like how you... You say this about sex, you know. So what if I go to the strip club? So what if I do my pornography? So what if I have my wife, but I also have like, you know, five on the side? So what? No big deal. I don't like how you say all these things. And if if your love for the little pillar is greater than the big pillar, you know what you're going to do? You're going to deny the big pillar. You're going to say, okay, you're right. So I'm not going to teach about that anymore because, you know, I love you. It's written. I'm supposed to love you. So I love you. I love you. I love you. And if you love the smaller pillar more than the big pillar, you're denying Christ. And that's what's happening today. That's what's happening today. Oh, I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to love. Yes, you're supposed to love. But you're not supposed to be stupid and love the smaller pillar. We're supposed to love the Lord. The Lord more. Say, wait a second, you know, uh, so what if I do my sex, my drugs, my alcohol, my crack, I do my meth, I do my, what got the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico, so what, no big deal. I don't like how you teach this thing. You're supposed to love me, so can you just not teach on those things anymore? Now, a godly person, a godly man, a godly woman would say, hey, look, that's not happening. I love you, but if you want to do this, now this is what has to happen. This is what needs to happen. There needs to be a separation. You're leaven. Now you're outside the camp. But as for me, I cannot teach against what the Word of God says. I have to be obedient. You want to be disobedient, and I love you. But because of your sin, you're going to infect the camp. And that's not happening. So I love you, but bye-bye. You see? That's what needs to. I mean, listen to our study. You say, oh, wow, that sounds so mean. That sounds so hateful. Listen to our study through 1st and 2nd Corinthians and you'll understand the concept of the whole leaven and the remnant. Something that Moses understands, something that Paul understands, something that Chloe understands, something that Priscilla and Aquila understand, something that all the servants of the Lord understand. You know who doesn't understand it? The idiotes of these last days. I'm just using the Greek. It's the stupid people of these last days. Those without understanding. You see and without repentance and obedience they're gonna come they're gonna pay a heavy price a very heavy price and you know I'm not the judge but quite possibly face the second death which is to burn in hell but I'm not the judge but I read the word and I study the word and I don't make the rules so what do I say to you obey the Lord Just like Jesus, if you love me, follow me. That's what the Lord says. If you love me, follow me. You see, and then the Lord has these patterns, just like Paul says. You know, uh, 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 follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul says. Not a lot of Pauls these days. I don't. Me personally, I don't think Paul would be accepted in the church today. I think they would throw him out of the church. I think they would kick him out of the church. Paul would come, say something, and then pick him up and throw him out on the curb. I don't think Paul would be received in this church that we see today. But that's that's one of the signs of the last days. You see? People not enduring sound doctrine. People not enduring sound doctrine. People not uh, putting up with sound doctrine. You know what they put up with? The preacher guys, the false teachers. Remember Paul says, I'm afraid that you, you guys are going to put up with it. The guy is going to come with a different gospel, a different Jesus with a different spirit. You're going to put up with it. But in the last days, they're not going to put up with the Pauls. They're not going to put up with the Timothys. They're going to take the Timothys and the Pauls and throw them out of the uh, the back. Throw them on the curb. It's prophesied. These things will come to pass and it is happening already. You see, he says, you shall not covet your neighbors, in verse 21, your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. You see? Oh, I'm jealous. This guy's got that. He's got that. This gal's got this. She's got that. She's got that. And I don't have it. Oh, poor me. I don't have it. Therefore, I think I'm going to steal it. You're breaking another law. You see, that's that's what happens. It's so powerful when when we see the law, not from the lens of the new covenant. Yes, there's that aspect, but standing firmly. on on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, we have this beautiful, deeper understanding of the law, understanding that it points to Christ. In verse 22, the Ten Commandments have been given. The Ten Commandments here, given to this next generation that is passing into the Promised Land. And in verse 22, these words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the past tense, notice. These words, the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. This is the reference of the law given verbally in Exodus 19 and 20. And when I say past tense, he's saying, remember, this is 40 years ago. He's saying to this next generation, look, these commandments that I give to you today, I gave it to them already. I gave it to them not once, not twice, but thrice. You see? And not like I gave it to them, but, you know, the Lord gave it to us. And, you know, the people says, hey, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear the Lord there. These are things that that first generation heard. And I love this part at the end of verse 22. And he added no More notice the capital I read at the King James version or the new King James version and he at capital H and he added no more. The Lord added no more. I love that so much. You know why? Because the adding of more comes later in the fulfillment of the law. This law that we've read these passages that we've read. It was created with loopholes. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter eight really quick. It was created with loop with loopholes, he says in uh, Hebrews eight, verse six. But now he has speaking of Jesus Christ, he has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So the first covenant, the Ten Commandments of which we study today. It is not faultless. It has faults to it. It has faults to it. What is that fault? Well, it leaves an opening for Jesus Christ because it points to Jesus Christ. But yet it leaves that opening nonetheless. And that's what I love about Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 22. And he added no more because that would come later. You see, these are things that the church in Galatia needed to understand. These are things that the church today needs to understand to help them stand firm on the rock of salvation and not be seduced into the law by the Hebrew Roots Movement and the peddlers of such, the preacher guys who come in with a different gospel, a different spirit, and a different Christ. You see? the last days these are things that we're seeing today more signs in verse 22 and he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me now this is a bit later down the road because in verse 22 he references you know the 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 spoken word but then he references that the 10 commandments on the on the tablet so there's that gap of time here in verse 23 free tablet he says so it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness notice in verse 22 he says these words the lord spoke to all your assembly." past tense He, sp- the lord spoke it to them but then now in verse 23 so it was when you heard the vo- when you heard speaking to them like instead of saying spoke to past tense spoke to all your assembly Now it's saying so it was when you heard the voice, it's like, wait a second for this next generation to grasp that this includes them. This law is for them. This law, the 10 commandments, it's for you. Second generation. When you get into the promised land, don't forget these things. Hold on. pre-tablet verse 23, so it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all your heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said in verse 24, surely the Lord your God has shown us his glory and his greatness and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. This is man, yet man still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? Question mark. Why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. Remember, verse 5 says how Moses says, I stood between, in verse 5, I stood between the Lord and you at, at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up to the mountain. You see, you did not go up to the mountain, he says. They were afraid. And in their fear, they stayed at the base of the mountain. How many times, how many times do you hear us mention Moses taking his assistant Joshua up the mountain? And the two coming down the mountain, you see them two up the mountain, down the mountain. But then at the same time, it's not to say that it wasn't for the people. It's definitely for the people, but there's something wrong with the people. Circumcision. You say, wait a second, but they're all circumcised. Well, the males, they're circumcised. Well, as New Covenant believers, we understand that those who are circumcised are not really circumcised in some cases. And those who are uncircumcised are not really uncircumcised. Because what does circumcision mean? Belief. Remember Thomas on the eighth day? You see? It's so beautiful. Unless I see with my eyes. On the eighth day, Thomas said. Belief. Belief. And he says this in Verse 25, now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. You see, we shall die. Look how easy the law would have been. I'm not advocating the law, but look how easy it would have been if the spoken law were heeded. Look how easy, look at all the things they would have been saved from. Look at all the things they would have been protected from if they just heeded that first spoken law. Now, I'm not, its, it's it, in a sense, it's wishful thinking. But in another sense, it's not wishful thinking because, you know, these things have to happen. But I remember the time when I first read the gospel. Matthew, I was, this is, you know, when I wasn't a Christian, I was drunk out of my mind. Drunk out of my mind. And my friend, he gave me his Bible. I said, I don't even know what to read. And he says, here, read Matthew. And I read Matthew. I was drunk and I read Matthew that whole time. And I remember thinking, I didn't even sleep that night, but I read Matthew. And I remember crying the whole time. And I remember thinking, after reading the gospel of Jesus Christ, like, I was kind of angry. Like, I could have been saved from a whole a whole mess of things. I could have been, I could have, I made so many bad decisions, bad choices. I could have been saved from those bad choices if I just held, if I just knew and understood what Matthew taught me or what the Spirit taught through Matthew. And I was mad. Like, so it's kind of wishful thinking, but not wishful thinking because certain things have to happen. But look how easy the law would have been if, if that, if, 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 Exodus 19 and 20 were heated right then, well, the entire congregation could have gone in the mountain. You see, it's so powerful, but no, Joshua and Moses, they go up. You see, the Ten Commandments were given. And so we see here. In verse 26, for who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? He says in verse 27, you go near. This is to Moses. The Lord speaking to Moses. You go near and hear all the Lord our God may say and tell it. Or this is what they say to Moses. You know, the, the the people are speaking to Moses, you know, we, we can't hear from the Lord. We're afraid this fire will consume us. And then the people say to Moses, you go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to do. And we will hear and do it. You see, then the Lord heard the voice of your words. This is Moses now saying it to the congregation. But what what. What From the Lord's perspective, what happened? Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right. They are right in all that they have spoken. So you see, the Lord knows, God knows that these people need blood. These people need blood. You see? And the people didn't ascend to the mountain. It's not to say that They couldn't go to the cloud where Moses was. It's not to say that that was an impossibility, but it it was their sin that made it an impossibility. But their sin needed a covering. No, what was in that cloud came down to the people. You see, it it came down to the people. Moses ascended. Moses and Joshua ascended. And they descended, you see. For us as New Covenant believers, well, love came down in the form of a child, you see. And we receive the spoken word, the spoken word, you see. Written on tablets of flesh, that is our hearts. When we read passages such as this, not from the lens of the new covenant, but standing firmly on the rock of salvation in accordance to the new covenant. Now we can see these things clearly to understand the depth of what is happening here. You see, the small group goes up, up the mountain. Now, Turn it to me to Exodus 24 really quick. Exodus 24. And in Exodus 24, we see this. In verse 12. This is in, in, in the, the, the Ten Commandments were given. They were spoken. And the people were afraid of the fire. And they said, Moses, you know, you, you speak to the Lord. We, 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 we're afraid. You speak to the Lord. You tell us what he says. And we're going to do it now we saw with that how far that got because we've seen the wilderness now the people says Moses you you be the in between you know you you tell us what the lord says and you know we're going to do it did they do it not all of them not all of them that first generation they're dead now now for the second generation so you you're, you're the the people's commitment they says okay you tell us what the lord says we're going to do it did they do it no maybe for a little bit but for the long run no But look at chapter 24, Exodus 24, verse 12. It's a little refresher course if you've been walking with us for a while. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. You see? So he's calling to Moses. Moses, you come up here. I'm going to pour into you and you go down the mountain and pour into the people you see just like paul just like philip all these beautiful people in accordance with the new covenant as new covenant believers remember in then through that's the model if you remember our 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 study through first and second corinthians that's the model in and through never through then in that's a bad model Dangerous very dangerous a lot of times you they want to be oh i'm a born-again believer. I'm a born-again believer I'm, I'm gonna go and be an evangelist. Whoa, 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 whoa hold the phone You gotta grow you gotta learn you have to die You have to die you have to carry your cross reckon the old man dead reckon the old woman dead That's what I mean when I say you have to die I don't mean like you gotta die like jump off a bridge I mean you have to die like spiritually jump off a bridge that old man needs to be dead that old woman needs to be dead crucified with christ and then that's the fight we fight that's it right there i mean that's like spiritual boot camp and then off to war but we see the same thing here the lord says moses you come up to me and i'm gonna give i'm gonna pour into you and then you go down and you teach verse 13 so moses arose with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain of God. So the two of them go up, you see. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. So now you see this little entourage of Moses. The base camp of the, the base of the mountain is the camp of Israel. Now Moses and this entourage goes up the mountain Moses, his assistant Joshua, you see Aaron and her and uh, the, the, the elders, they go up the mountain. They stop like midway and they say, okay. They Moses turns around and says, okay, wait here for us until we come back to you. Look, you got Aaron and her. Everybody's here. The elders are here. Everybody just wait right here. And the two, Moses and uh, Joshua, they continue to go up the mountain. You see? And what's so beautiful, Moses comes out of the cloud, and who does he see? Joshua. Joshua. The next leader of Israel. The one who's gonna take Israel to the promised land. See? Moses and Joshua, they keep they come down the mountain. They expect to see Aaron and her and the elders, but wow, where are they? Where are they? Wow, they're not here. What happened? Now you see in this little tiny bubble of Moses, so to speak. Not all of them. Not all of them stayed. Aaron, her, the elders, they went back to base camp. And we know what happened when they went back to base camp. That was the golden calf. You see Moses and Joshua. They come back down. And the Lord says in verse 12 that you may teach them. You see how beautiful it is? He says in verse 15, Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Praise be to the Lord. Now, I'm not advocating the law and saying these things, but yet the law shows us these things. The Torah shows us these things straight up as new covenant believers. Now, in closing, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, in closing in verse 29 oh that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my and always keep all my commandments remember the fear of the lord is beautiful the fear of the lord is good but understand that there's more always keep his commandments But remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's just like the example we gave earlier, where the fear of the Lord in preschool, and then you grow. You go to first grade, maturing. That doesn't mean you let go of the fear of the Lord. It's still the fear of the Lord. Now, I say this in accordance to the law. I say, that, like, remember this, like for you as New Covenant believers, remember this. Not for you, to, 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 to obey the commandment, to obey the Ten Commandments. I say this not for you, but I say this for your understanding of the Old Testament. When we get into Samuel, the Kings, the Chronicles, hold on to that for your understanding of these Old Testament passages. But I also say that in the two pillars connotation too, that on these two hang all the law on the and the prophets, so it's not two identical pillars. One pillar is enormous, gigantic, sturdy, and that's your love for God. The other pillar is still a pillar, but it's skinny and small. So you have the wire hanging from the two and you have the Ten Commandments on the wire. You see, everything is supported on these two things. The love, Your love for the Lord in all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your love for people. You see, more than yourself. He doesn't say love people with all your mind, all your soul, all your heart, all your mind. No, that's for the Lord, the bigger pillar. We're new covenant believers. We abide in Christ, the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus Christ says, if you love me, follow me. That's easy. That's, I mean, if you love me, follow me. That's a a, a two-year-old can do it. A five-year-old can do it. A 10-year-old can do it. A 40-year-old can do it. If you love me, follow me. Now, if you're a new believer and you're like, wow, you know what? I I believe in Jesus Christ. I I, want to know more. What do I do? What do I do? Well, obey him. But I don't know the Bible. I don't know the Bible. Well, start to know. Let's fix that. Start to know the Bible. Now, if you're a new believer, if you're not a believer today, this is the weirdest gospel probably you've ever heard, the gospel presentation. But I like to say, if you're not a believer, cut it out. That's my gospel message. If you're not a believer, cut it out. Don't be unbelieving anymore. Hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You commit your life to Jesus Christ, and then you come back and you listen. And if you're a new believer, you're like, well, I don't know what to do. Listen to our study through all of 1 Corinthians and all of 2 Corinthians. When you grasp that and understand that, it will be well for your soul. It will help you in your understanding of growing and maturing in Christ. In closing, we see here that... uh, 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 Oh, that that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Remember, these are things that the first generation, they didn't adhere to. They didn't hold on to because that first generation is dead. We have, up until this point, we have examples of God's judgment, his wrath, and his chastisement. But we also have examples of his grace, his mercy, and his love. Second generation see <laughs> second generation go and say to them return to your tents but as for you stand here by me and i will speak to you all the commandments the statutes and the judgments which you have which you shall teach them that they may observe them in the land which i'm giving them to possess you see moses Moses, and joshua coming down the mountain. They come down the mountain, the people, well, when the spoken law was given, the people, they were afraid because of the fire. They says, Moses, you speak, you speak to the Lord, This Lord speak to you and you tell us what he says. And so because of the sin in their heart, because of that fear, they didn't have fear of the Lord then. They were afraid of the fire, but there was no fear of the Lord. If they came up the mountain in that state, they would have been dead. But God in his mercy. He says, no, this is good. This is good that they're not coming up the mountain because I love them. And if they come to me in this state, they're going to be dead. So, no. Let them stay here. Moses, come on up. You see? That's what verse 31. But as for you, stand here by me and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which you shall teach them. You see? Now you go down and you teach them. That's what's so powerful about our knowledge that the Lord is giving us by His Spirit, which is a gift of the Spirit. We learn, we learn. It's not just so that we can be like, you know, boastful and knowledgeable of the Bible and know the Bible, because I tell you the truth, when you have this knowledge of the Bible, it will blow you away because, as the Bible says, you know, you 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 won't be tossed to and fro, fro by all kinds of doctrine, but you're gonna be able to fight. You know, what I like to do it through the through the ether. It's sometimes on the like uh uh theologian message boards. You know, I'll go on the theologian message boards, and like I will have this a little conversation through the ether with these um. Uh, uh, uh like a, a doctorate in theology the professors the college professors at the uh, seminaries and it's very interesting we have this, these aren't like instigated by me i'm just a little a little comment you know a little small comment and then it just blows up into this big theological debate but it's very interesting how at the very beginning at the very beginning there's all this like onslaught where like you know the uh, the students Are like, oh, how dare you, you know, our teacher says this and the Bible says this and this is how it is. But in the course of time, in the course of time, the people start to understand. And like, wait a second, the Bible does say this. The Bible does say this. And I don't say this to boast about knowledge, but I say this because this knowledge, it will help you. It will help you not just to understand for the sake of understanding. There's that aspect of, yes, for your soul, but for the souls of others so that they can know and grow and understand and mature. And if they're caught up in Hebrew roots, they can leave Hebrew roots. If they're caught up in Calvinism, they can leave Calvinism. If they're caught up in, you know, the money preachers, they can leave the money preachers. That's, that's how, that's how it works. That's how it works. All through the Old Testament, repent, 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 repent. Return to me, return to me, return to me. Thus saith the Lord. That's what he says to the prophets. He says, if the people don't return to me, then there's going to be judgment. There's going to be wrath. There's going to be chastisement. Now, we're so spoiled today. We're so spoiled today because we just figure, oh, for 2,000 years, you guys have always said, you know, that Jesus Christ was coming back. That's another prophecy. Brother Peter prophesies about that. Oh, you guys have always said that Jesus Christ is going to, where's the promise of his coming? Where's the promise of his return? Look, all these things that you said were going to happen, it's happened, and Jesus Christ isn't here. It's a, a big problem with the pre-tribulation rapture theory. Now, I, I'm not, I, I don't teach pre-tribulation rapture theory. If you're wondering, you know, listen to the message about when is the rapture? When is the rapture? You might have to search for a while, but listen to it. It's very important to understand it in these last days. I don't teach pre-tribulation rapture. Because it's not in the Bible. But in order for that passage to come to pass, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? Look, all these things are here. And where is he? I thought we were supposed. these things were supposed to happen. The mockers of the last days. You see. Certain theories will bring about other prophecies. Remember, the church is going to be an apostate state in the last days. We have to understand these things. We have to know these things. Not to be boastful. But to rescue. As Brother Jude says. Making a distinction. Not defiling the flesh. But making a distinction still. And rescuing as through fire. As through fire. Meaning it's going to be dangerous. Now in order to survive in a dangerous environment. You know what has to happen? You and me. We got to be dangerous. Spiritually. We have to be dangerous. You see? Now, let's continue. In closing. Verse 32. Remember, the first generation is dead. Now this second generation. Therefore, you. Therefore, you. Look, this previous generation, this is what they did. This is what they said. But that was them. And they're dead. And Moses, from Moses' perspective, you know, they're dead and I'm dying. You know, I'm old. I'm dying. (laughs) Therefore, you, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You see, the parents made their choice. You know, mommy and daddy, they made their choice. Now you got to make yours. Mommy and daddy, mama and papa, they made their choice. Now they're dead. You have to make your choice. The next generation of righteousness. You see? You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You see? Right smack dab in the middle of the narrow path. You see? Remember, they're leaving Horeb. They're leaving Horeb. Now, they gotta take the law with them. You see? Not that they stay there. Their Horeb's gone. Horeb's in the rearview mirror. Sinai. Rear-view mirror. But yet, they got to take it with them. What's top to them. Verse 33, You shall walk in all your ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it might be well with you, that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. You see, same promise. Same promise except that first generation, they were disobedient and now they're dead. You see, same promise imagine one of the little ones who was one year old when the first law was given just a fresh baby and now they're you know 41 years old or picture them when they were 20 years old and they're like man we're like only halfway through the wilderness and Man, this would have been so much easier had mom and dad done this, had mom and dad did this, had they done this, had they done that. It's not to be down on oneself and be like, man, you know, things would have been so much better if only this guy, if only this gal. Now, it is true. Things would have been much better. Remember, the 11-day journey turned into 40 years. It would have been much better. But they're learning. The 20-year-old, mid-40 years, they're learning. They're learning so that when they pass through the promised land, when they pass to the promised land, that now they have their choice to make. Are they going to be disobedient like mama and papa? Or are they going to be obedient? You see? Choice for the next generation of righteousness. We're going to end our study here and Lord willing, pick up in chapter 6 next week. To the beautiful people of the way, God bless you. I love you.